it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 111. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to talk about some listener questions that we got, and we're going to focus a little bit on investing in our later years, i.e. in late 50s or early 60s, that kind of time frame. We'll talk a little bit about some thoughts we have on that related to some of the questions that we got recently about this particular subject. So I'm going to go ahead and start off and read the first question. Uh, the first question is, hi, Andrew. My question is investing in your 50s. I'm in the middle of a divorce of 31 years. We have accumulated a lot of wealth. So my question is, what would be the wisest strategy? I will have substantial alimony, having worked outside the home for 29 years. So assuming I won't need all the equalization payment, where would you suggest I start? I feel like I've lost much of the compounding time, so now what? I'm 58 and healthy, so hope to see my 80s. I'd be thrilled to hear from you directly or cover the topic in an email for the broader crowd to learn. I can't be the only one in this situation. Thanks, Win. No, Win, you're not. Uh, so as somebody who's in your age range, I'm 52. So I'm the older one of the crowd here between Andrew and I. And some would maybe sometimes I might be the wiser one, but I'm not so sure about that always. Uh, so I guess I guess the first thing is I, my condolences about the divorce. I'm sure that cannot be uh, easy to go through. And I'm sure you have a bazillion questions going on. So as someone who's gone through a divorce myself, I, I feel for you. So it's not an easy situation to go through. So I guess here's how I will tackle this. And this is my thoughts. Uh, I'm going to relay a, kind of a, a personal thing here too. Um, I just went through a very uh, tough situation with my father and uh, he went into cardiac arrest last week and he's okay now, but it was kind of a scary, touchy situation. And he's 81 or I'm sorry, 82 now. So uh, you know, things were a little bit touch and go, but he's okay. But th- I guess the point of me mentioning that is, is that my dad has been retired now since his early sixties and he's lived to be 82 and hopefully will live a lot longer. And I'm 52 and I hope to live to at least my mid eighties to nineties. And th- one of the things that I know I've mentioned in the past is that we are all living longer. Uh, we're healthier and we're aging better than we used to. And our lives are 
easier than they used to be. So we are aging well and we're living longer lives. So the general accepted principle or theory of, you know, retiring at an age and then you live 5, 10, 15 years after you retire before you pass is kind of changing. And so I guess our thoughts on how we invest and what our goals are with that are changing as well. And so for someone like Lynn, who's 58 and hopes to see her 80s, which I'm sure she will, and probably longer, you realistically could have another 25 to 30 years of you know, life before we pass. And you have to think about, I have to have income for all the, that time period. And without knowing all the ins and outs of her particular situation, you know, thinking about investing in the principles I feel like are still going to be the same as, as you would if you were closer to retirement. You still have to look at income. You still have to look at trying to create wealth for yourself or income for yourself as you go farther into life because we're still going to have things to pay for like mortgages or rents or car payments or insurance or health insurance. All those things are still going to be in play even though we're not technically quote unquote working. All those still things are still, we still got to pay for them. And how are we going to do that? And if we don't have income, then things are going to be much, much tougher. And, you know, my parents are in a situation where they didn't have a lot of wealth and they're living basically off of Social Security and, you know, the state. And that's a hard place for them to be. And it's a hard place for us to be as, as you know, the kids of my parents. And so thinking about that, you know, is that really a situation you want to be in? And so I guess when you're thinking about where do I start, how do I do this? You know, is my compounding time less than it is? You know, there's really no easy way to say it. There, It is. It just is. It is what it is. And, you know, we all wish we had started earlier and we didn't for whatever reason. And there's really no reason to be negative and beat ourselves down because of that. The what we need to do is figure out what our plan is and what we're comfortable with and then start working towards that goal. And for me, investing in stocks is something that I'm comfortable with. Now, does that mean I'm going to go out and buy every cannabis stock out there? Probably not because that's too much risk for me personally. But if that's not, if that doesn't scare you off, then Hey, you know, knock yourself out, but that's not really my style. And that's not what I preach and that's not what I want to teach people. You know, I want to teach people to to follow the value investing credo because I feel like that's the best way to go. And Andrew and I have talked a lot about dividends and Andrew is definitely the drip king and so that's really his focus and it's becoming mine as well and you know I see more and more the wisdom of what he's teaching and, and talking to people about because it's the wisest way to go. And even at 58, investing in companies that are going to pay you something for your investment besides just the natural growth of the company and having those dividends and accumulating those and having those contribute to your ongoing wealth, you know, someday those dividends could be helping pay your health insurance or your life insurance or a car payment or whatever it may be that you're going to need money for. Because irregardless of whatever situation we all are in, we're all going to need money at every stage of our lives until the day that we die. And you know, yes, we can't take it with us. And we're all 
we're all none of us are getting out of here alive we're all going to die it's just a fact of life but it doesn't mean that we can't invest until the day that we die to help ourselves as well as any benefactors that we may have whether it's our kids our grandkids or a charity that you want to you want to contribute to any of those kinds of things can all be worthwhile things to continue to invest in and for as we go along with our with our lives because if you look online and look at the studies, like I said before, we are living longer. We're living farther into our into our 80s and 90s than we were even 10 years ago. And it just keeps increasing because of the quality of the healthcare and the quality of the food that we eat and our just our general lives that we live allow us to live longer. And so investing is, you know, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start to work towards what it is you want to do. And if investing is something that you think is going to be beneficial to you, then it's not too late to start and it's not too late to work on compounding because even if you only have 10 years to compound, that's still 10 years you can use to compound and it will help you. And a little of something is better than nothing. And, you know, I I just don't think that, you know, looking at it as I don't have enough time, so I'm not even going to start. I I just don't agree with that, that viewpoint. And I think you can do it. And, you know, I absolutely think, you know, when that you can do this and that there is a place for you to start. And, you know, looking at what Andrew and I are talking about is certainly a great place to start. If you're not comfortable with that, there's a, a lot of other options out there to look at. But I really think the value investing and looking at dividend stocks is the greatest way to go. And if you're not comfortable with that, there's also investing in just general broad markets like ETFs. Uh, We have an episode with Tobias Carlisle that's going to come up where he's going to talk about that as well. And those are all great options for you to look at. And these are all things that can help you. And it's just, it's not too late to start. Yeah. To that point, um, that was all fantastic advice. You know, when we talk, obviously I like to talk about compounding for 40 years because the numbers can just blow up and it's very inspiring. But I understand not everybody has that long of a uh, runway to to be able to let their money compound. But like Dave said, just because it's not 40 years, say you're, you have 20 years or even 10 years, right? Uh, Lynn talks about being 58 and hoping to see her 80s. So that's at least 20 years. Um, I I like to look at the numbers and, and do some like hypothetical examples to get a good idea on what you can expect. So let's say you had $10,000 and you invested it for 10 years and you got the average market return of 10% a year. Um, after those 10 years, your 10,000 would become 25,000. So that's a 2.5. You're doubling plus a little bit. If you expand that, which I'm, I'm just using a simple compound interest calculator online. And if you make that into 20 years instead of 10, well, now you're getting even more of the compounding and it, it starts to, to mushroom. So that 10,000 would become 67,000. So uh, a, a 6x, 6.7x on your money. So even those shorter time periods, by investing in stocks and getting just the average return of stocks, you can really make your your wealth grow. And when it comes to, you know, what's the wisest strategy, that's a million dollar question, but it comes down to so many different factors. And I guess what's tough about trying to formulate 
a retirement plan, if you will, or any sort of investing plan. It's 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 so individualized uh, depending on some of these personal circumstances. So kind of to Dave's point, it's like, do you have kids you're trying to leave money to? Do you have a divorce you're going through? Like, like uh, this situation here, um, she says she's going to have alimony, but you know, how long is that going to run towards? Is it a lifetime alimony? Is it uh, an alimony of 10 years? And you know, how much, of that wealth that's been accumulated, what what is that? What is that dollar amount? How does it relate to the lifestyle you're trying to to lead? Uh, the lifestyle you're trying to live, and and so there's so many different factors, and it makes the decision making process different. And then you get into the i the uh, idea of everybody has a different risk tolerance, and it's how how comfortable am I with seeing my portfolio go up or go up and down or how comfortable am I with taking the time to learn about the intricacies of investing and, and personal finance in the stock market and how much do I want to dig into that? So I guess by asking a simple question, like what what is the wisest strategy, you start to unbox Pandora's box and, and now there's a million other questions that you can go with. The one thing that I can think of that pops in my mind is to try to take it one step at a time and understand that we're not even even within this episode we probably won't have the perfect answer for Lynn or anybody who's in a situation like that um and so it's just i guess understanding that if we're talking about the rest of your life and and needing money for the rest of your life that it's something that's going to be, if you're going to work so hard for that money, why not also work hard to educate yourself and then find that personal answer for yourself um, as you start to learn more about really what what kind of possibilities can you expect and what kind of uh, situation the, does your finances and your expenses kind of put you in. I I always talk about the examples of using a compound interest calculator just because to me I'm I'm a numbers I'm a data driven guy. I think it's the easiest way to plan for me is to use one of those and then you can throw in different return numbers and and different time frames and try to make some sort of estimation on where you're going to be at in the future. So you can you can go on Google and you can look what's been the average and, and and be careful when you're doing this, obviously, but always look for a, a very, very long time period. Um, nothing's ever going to be perfect. And, and this is just for estimation, but estimation and can be good for planning purposes. So it's like, okay, what is the average return for stocks over the very, very, very long term? What about for bonds? And what about for whatever else I'm, I'm, I'm considering, right? Even if you were to put like, let's say 2% into an ally savings account, you can use the compound interest calculator and put 2% and see, okay, if I put this much money into a savings account every month and it's going to compound at 2%, how much am I going to have in 10 years? And that really, I think, helps, at least for me, gives me clarity on on the sort of things that... So I understand what's reasonable and then what's not. And then as you start to think about the future, it's like, okay, well... Um, when I'm in my 80s, am I going to be 
having a mortgage or is my house going to be paid off or am I going to be living in a nursing home? You know, am I going to be driving or am I going to have a paid off car or am I going to be just, you know, hanging out at the nursing home? I guess there's no, there's no great way to figure that side of the equation out. But if you can make general estimates and, and try to maybe have more of a effort than, than maybe most people do, then you can, you can, leaps and bounds put yourself leaps and bounds over over somebody who hasn't thought that far and you know kind of not maybe make up for for the time you've lost but make the most of the time that you still have so 20 years is is a great amount of time to compound money i hope i've shown that for you with with the compound interest calculator example that i just said um and it's it's a ton of time to be learning about Learning about the stock market, learn, getting, filling those information gaps, and finding like what you don't know, and then seeking out the knowledge to to learn it. I think we've been doing this podcast since the beginning of 2017. I think so. You know, somebody could have listened and 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 really just had our show as their educational resource, and I think they would be leaps and bounds above the average person when it comes to figuring out how to apply a financial uh, strategy towards their investments. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be all at once. And hopefully, you know, when you ask the question, what would be the wisest strategy instead, you kind of think what's the next step ahead from an educational standpoint and then from a financial standpoint and just try to go from there. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, 
I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yeah, that's all great information and that's all great thoughts as well. And I really like how you're talking about the compounding interest and how even though over a short period of time, you still see that it can have an impact on what you're investing. And that $10,000 into $25,000 in 10 years at a 10% you know, rate over those 10 years, that's still a lot of money. And it's nothing to sneeze at. And another thought that I had about all this is think about the situation you're in. And if you have kids talking to them about the situation you're in and making sure that they're not in the same situation when they're your age and using this as an opportunity to help teach them that this is something that they can start for themselves now so that they don't have to worry about that when they're 58. And I think that's one of the greatest things that we could give to our kids is to help them realize that this is not something that we should wait for. This is something we should start planning on now. And that's one of the biggest things that I saw when I worked at Wells Fargo was that there was no plan for our retirement and the majority of the public has nothing or next to nothing and they just haven't started and they don't know where to start and there's not a lot of education out there and that's why a big reason why Andrew and I started this was to try to help people learn investing and how they could help them at any stage of their life. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. And I hope we're doing that. Uh, I'm going to read the next question here. It's from Mark. He says, Hi, Andrew. Good afternoon. While I'm pretty sure that your research and presentation are stellar, how relevant is it to someone who's within seven years of retirement? So uh, another question I think uh, that we I want to include here because it kind of goes with the theme that we were talking about with Lynn. So he he also uh, Mark also talks about how thankfully I have a future defined benefit pension and some defined contribution for our ones that I'll be able to consolidate and invest. All of that is taxable. Ouch! Though I'll be slowly rolling those IRA monies into my Roth. Nonetheless, I believe I'll be facing the tax man perpetually. He says, I guess what I'm saying is, please tell me how your approach is also the approach for someone who's 58 and hoping to get the balance right with what time I have left in the workforce, hopefully less than seven years and the rest of my life, only God knows. Um, the, the one thing I saw interesting about Mark's question, and I think it's something that we can consider, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast like five, six years down the road, then it might not be relevant, but as it stands right now, we're recording this in the middle of 2019 and there are favorable tax brackets for many different individuals. 
And so I was speaking, uh, I was, it was a financial advisor. He was talking about how right now is a great time for people to do rollovers because that's a way of them to take advantage of the lower tax brackets. So I'm definitely far from a tax expert. And um, I, I I feel like we, we try not to talk about that too much on our show outside of like the general idea that a traditional IRA is taxed at the front and then a Roth IRA or is taxed at the back and a Roth IRA is taxed at the front. So I think it's an interesting idea is if you are in a situation where you are like Mark and you are going to be facing perpetual tax. I mean, we're all, we're all going to face perpetual tax, right? What's, what's the, uh, how does the saying go? Something about the only things that are certain are death and taxes, I think. So you're not going to avoid taxes indefinitely, but that could be one way to kind of minimize the tax. If, if, if you, if you think that in the future tax brackets will go back up, um, then it's something you might want to take advantage of again, depending on the person's situation and and where their tax brackets fall currently and how much they need to roll over and all of those sorts of things. So that I guess is something to keep in mind as, as far as the rollover stuff and, and the, the defined contributions and benefits as far as the seven years, Dave, I think, we kind of talked about it with the last question, but he is asking a little bit differently because he does talk about a smaller time period than like 24 years or 22 years. He's talking about seven. What do you think about that? Uh, well, it's an interesting question. And I guess, you know, his it, it comes down to what he is comfortable with and is in seven years, is he going to be able to accumulate enough wealth to live off of that for the next 25 years? I, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, it, it unloads a lot of Pandora box because every question you open and answer, there's going to lead to 15 other different questions. And, you know, the traditional dogma of, investing is the closer you get to retirement, the more conservative you need to be, i.e. moving more of your money into less risky assets, i.e. bonds or money market accounts, things of that nature that are going to be a lot less volatile and have a lot less fluidity to them. And that's kind of the traditional thought on that. And that's really it really depends on your your risk tolerance. And I guess the question I'm curious about is he's taking the money that he has in these two vehicles, the pension and the 401ks, and rolling them into a Roth. Is he doing that because he needs he wants to have more control over that money and be able to invest it as he wishes to do? And if that's the case, then investing in a value investing approach with dividends is going to be something that I would recommend he follows. If he has other plans or other ideas about that, then I guess that would dictate what route he would want to go. But 
even if you're in the pension, I'm not sure about the pension. I don't know. I can't speak to that intelligently because I don't know enough about those. But 401ks, he can allocate his portfolio more towards a conservative one if he wishes. Uh, he can switch it to where instead of it investing in a more stock-based portfolio, he can switch it to a more conservative approach with having more bonds or or bond ETFs or fund, mutual funds, however his 401k is set up. I mean, that's something he can do. But, you know, I guess I come back to, again, you're still going to need income. You're still going to need to generate revenue going forward. And if he's moving it out of those other vehicles into a Roth that he that he's going to be able to control, then I would think he would want to set it up such that he's creating income for himself as he goes forward. What are your thoughts on that? I think, yeah, I think I would generally agree. When I think about both of these questions, I guess I have to be careful with my words here, but it's, to me, it's everybody has their different um, personal situation and how how they're going to approach the market and how it's how you're going to make the market serve you, right? Whether that's through stocks, bonds, money markets, whatever it is. So yeah, while we're all coming at it with our own unique angles, we need to understand that our it's it's up to us and our responsibility is is to teach ourselves about this and and to seek out the resources to to be able to learn about how to apply this best for 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 my own personal situation. So, you know, you could go and and talk to a financial advisor and and have them kind of talk you through it. You could take a more DIY approach and and try to learn about it yourself, but I guess the third option is to kind of see your personal situation and feel discouraged about it or feel overwhelmed by all of the different options and then do none of that. And I think that would be the greatest mistake of all. While we all have our unique situations and, and our own unique timeframes, I think learning about the the generalities of each of these is is going to be beneficial regardless. So, you know, you can like, let's say you're somebody who, all right, well, uh, let's say I'm, uh, as it's complete hypothetical, let's say I'm 64 years old. I never knew anything about the stock market. Uh, I figure I only have five years to invest. And so I decided never to learn about stocks. But then let's say, um, you know, you made that decision and then the stock market had a crazy, let's say there was another dot-com boom, right? Where all these tech stocks went crazy and then you started to have stories, which I mean, today, I guess we still, we've had a really strong bull market, but we really haven't had the crazy stories like you heard uh, in the in the late 90s. Uh, definitely, like if you, if you pick up a book, like that one book I was talking about, Bull, um, the book's literally called Bull. It's talking about some of the craze of that and some of the just everyday average Joe people who are making fortunes literally overnight because the stock market was going wild. So let's say you're 64, you decided, well, you know, uh, I heard that you're not supposed to 
that you're not supposed to be in stocks if you're about to retire at 65 and you're 64. But if you never really learned like why that's the case or why stocks move as they you tend to do, well then when if you saw your neighbor over there um, make a hundred thousand on the stock overnight, maybe you would you would get drawn to that and then completely completely lose because you now you're pursuing a strategy that so I guess the fact of the matter is is we all have generally the same access to the same type of assets to invest in, whether that's stocks, bonds, um, ETFs, money market accounts. Yeah, not all of us can be as wealthy as Mark Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, not all of us are going to have 50 or 60 years to compound and, and build millions or billions. Yeah, not all of us are going to have the type of returns like Warren Buffett where we're going to compound money at 25% a year. But there are these vehicles out there and it's like, okay, well, if if there's a piece of medical equipment that helps my life uh, once every couple hours and it makes me that much more comfortable then yeah i'm going to take advantage of that you can think of stocks and investing and personal finance in the same way too yeah i might not have the greatest thing in the world but these things are out here and these these vehicles are out here that i can use and and with a little bit of education and and understanding of of how they can really benefit you then they can improve your life and so sure you might not have the sort of perfect financial freedom where you're sipping mimosas on the beach all day every day and traveling halfway across the world during retirement that might not be the case but you know you might still find benefit in investing in the stock market out of the stock market um having a budget compounding money in one way or the other and so there's a lot of benefits to that and I just hope over and over and over again that feeling discouraged about not being at the most ideal situation investing wise would I, I hope that's not so discouraging to to keep people from wanting to learn and take the next step. I agree. And I, I think that that bit of advice is so profound that it's something that we all need to hear being paralyzed by inertia can be so detrimental and working through that and finding a path and following that path is going to be so beneficial to your life, whether it's investing or anything else. And I think that's one thing that we all need to focus on is we get so, I guess, paralyzed by the overwhelm of information sometimes that it's hard to know where to go. And instead of doing anything, we don't do anything at all. And that, like Andrew said, would be probably the biggest mistake of all. And so I think if you could take anything out of what we're talking about today, whether it's a specific strategy or just a general idea, is finding a path and following that path, whether it's value investing, whether it's growth investing, whether it's, you know, working with bonds or ETFs or all the other investment vehicles that are out there, like Andrew was mentioning, is going to help you in the long run, whether it's you have seven years, whether you have 15 years or whether you have 45 years, all those things are going to be helpful to you 
whether you have a short time horizon or the have a long time horizon. And there's a lot of other questions that you have to ask and answer along the way. And if you have those questions, send them to Andrew and I will we'll help you as best we can. But there are other out or other resources out there for you as well. So I hope that you guys can take what we're saying today and look at that as an opportunity to try to learn something and grow. And I think that's one of the things that that keeps us young, quote unquote, is by always learning and growing and finding new things to be excited about. And whether that's investing so you have seven more years before you can retire or whether you have 45 years before you can retire, you know, it, it just, it all depends. But again, find a path, pick something, do it. And if that doesn't work, change. It's okay. It's okay to not pick something and then, you know, six months down the road, a year down the road, you're like, eh, this isn't for me and you want to do something else. Then do it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in it and there's no, there's no harm, no foul. The only harm is not trying, you know, as, <laughs> as Yoda used to say, there is no try, there's do or do not. <laughs> so I'll end with that. <laughs> and, you know, I'll just suggest that if, if you are at that stage where you're, in that paralysis and you have no idea where to start well we have a path too so we have the back to the basics series that we did way back in the archive starting at episode 43 and that it can be a great first step to kind of walking through and understanding like you said dave these investment vehicles and and learning the basics behind them well that's your first back to the basics episode that can be one place to start yep that's a fantastic fantastic idea all right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion for this evening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and I hope you got something good out of uh, this. And I hope this will help some of our uh, folks that are closer to retirement and are unsure of where to turn and what to do and how to, to go forward. There are uh, options for you and there's things that you can do. You just got to find one and pick it and go with it. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety Have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.